Good morning, everybody. Here's part of my suitcase. Thanks, uh, Pastor Greg. Wonderful to be uh, with you all this morning. Um, I've got a number of things here. Are you guys doing another song right at the end, uh, too? No? Okay. All right. Okay. Got a number of things here, so what I'll do is I'll just clean up after Greg. <laughs> I love you, Greg. It's okay. All right. So, um, yes, my name is Terry Banman, and uh, I love getting around to different churches and also colleges and speaking if there's opportunity. Um, we were just uh, doing a trip to Prairie College, and um, we, uh, we had been there, set up a display, and it was a missions conference, um, two, three days that... Uh, bringing emphasis about missions, and there was all these displays. Um, great time to be there, a great time to see the, the young people challenged, and then also uh, we saw that many recommitted, just uh, saying again, yes, Lord, you know, I want to serve you wholeheartedly in, uh, in my life. And many stood up in that conference and just saying, yes, um, I want to be doing what you desire and not what I desire. So that was really cool. Great to be part of that missions conference. I didn't speak. I just uh, I had a session of 20 students um, in a classroom, and that was about it. Um, but a lot of conversations, and that's what my wife and I do. We're reps now, um, and so part of our responsibility is to get around wherever we can, bring awareness uh, about our mission. So this morning, I'm hoping that you will be uh, challenged in the Word and that you will be encouraged, and, um, and I'm trying to be sensitive to the needs around here uh, of, of what you guys are going through, and it's hard for me to know, and I have to rely on the Holy Spirit to do that, and so for me, it's just a privilege, a, pre a pleasure to, to be here. You're already talking about going through the wilderness. You guys are possibly going or are in the wilderness, and um, I'm going to be talking about Moses, and so Moses dovetails into the next number of messages that I think that you guys will be going through um, in, uh, like, going through the wilderness. So, um, just want to change some things up a little bit and bring some things forward. Okay, so I'm going to bring my banners. Um, you guys haven't been able to see these faces very well, so I'm just going to bring it closer to me. All right. So you guys doing okay? And you know what? Really, honestly, it's okay to say you're not. Um, yeah. So we've got a number of people here with me, and um, it's not to scare you. <laughs> you look at this guy with the something through his nose, and um, you're just wondering, like, what in the world's going on with that guy? We lived in a tribal group, uh, my wife and I, for 11 years in an area that was mountainous. Mountains were tucked around us all over the, uh, around um, our area. And uh, what we found is that these people that you're seeing right here, she's got a bark cape over her. And then uh, she's got like a headband, and that headband also, um, that's traditionally something that you would see within our tribe. This guy... The, it wasn't 
I, I asked our mission, I'd like to have some banners, um, and they sent me these, and I'm finding that these two are exactly from our area of Papua New Guinea, and it's so weird. Um, so anyway, here, this guy's got a headband. Uh, he's got his nose pierced, and that happens when they go through initiation, and um, uh, young on, and it's to give them strength. They go through this initiation, and they're told by their fathers that you go through this, it makes you strong. You put the, the ground on your face, uh, they will uh, smear it all over you, over the body, and these boys will be uh, whipped with stinging nettles, um, and they will have all kinds of swollen uh, welts over their body, and um, this is something that's traditionally done. They will do it every four or five years, and we've seen a number of them. The boys are just absolutely in tears. Their ages, maybe nine to nine to twelve, where they would start going through their initiations. They leave their mother um, at that time. They're becoming a man, and they will not talk to their mother uh, until they're um, probably ready to be married. Could be eighteen years old, could be twenty, and they will not say a word to their mother. Their mother will bring food to them. They will live in a house, which is called a houseman, which is all the initiated boys will live together in one house, and they will do their thing. They will go up to the higher bush. They will hunt. They will get firewood. They'll do their thing. And this nose piercing and the, uh, this clay ground that's on their faces is often to, to go through a time period of initiation and saying, you know what, we're, we're going through this process uh, we want to become men, and this is what we've got to do. Then the leaders of the, the tribe, the elders, um, they would say, you know what, because you are, we're putting this ground on you, the ground has strength, clay ground has a lot of strength to it, and in the same way as you grow up and as we put this ground on you, you will become strong like the ground. Um, we pierce your nose, and that pain that you feel that is nothing. You will be strong, and when enemies come against you, you will be strong to be able to fight, and you will not have fear because this takes away your fear. And, uh, and so they're, they're grow, they grow up knowing this, and uh, that's part of, part of their life. So we lived uh, amongst this tribe, and uh, we found that these people, they need the Lord. Um, and we were there for those 11 years learning culture and language, and as we learned the, uh, the culture, we understood that they, um, there's a bunch of taboos that they have. And so I'll have a slide come up here um, on the PowerPoint. And um, if, it, if it works, uh, yep. Okay, next one. So Ethnos Canada is the mission organization that we work with. And um, so we see here Wusarambia people. That's the group of people group that we lived amongst. And we see here that there's a number of taboos that they have. Um, I'm going to just kind of go through them a bit just to help you to understand this is life for these people. For you and I, we come from different backgrounds. We've got different culture that we, we have something maybe within our own culture that might say, hey, don't do certain things. And if you do those things, who knows, you might get sick or inflicted with sickness. 
um, that might come from our culture. And as a Christian, you start to break away from a number of those things, right? Our trust is in Jesus Christ, and, and he will be the one to help us. And it's not our tradition of, of going through our certain taboos of our culture anymore. So when we went in there, we're learning culture, and we're seeing that they've got a whole whack of, um, of taboos. Don't turn the head of the pig toward the river. Okay, so here I am. We've got a butchered pig. A number of uh, pieces of meat have been cut out of the, the skin. And, um, and then they put those aside. But the big skin and, and the head and the legs are all still attached. I grab two legs. Another guy grabs two legs. And then we're going to move it onto this area where we're going to have an earth oven. An earth oven is like... Um, out there, they call it the mumu, and uh, it's a pit that's got rocks in it, and you heat it up, and then you cover it all up after everything's been put in there, and then it cooks for about two hours. Well, here I am, I, we, me and this other guy, he's an older guy, and, and we, we move the, uh, the pig over, and uh, a lady says, Terry, what are you doing? You don't turn the head toward the river. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I've been here for a long time. And she even said it. You've been here for a long time. What's wrong with you? You know, you, you should know this by now. You turn their head toward the mountain. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, let's turn this thing around. Turn it around. Everything's good. She's a believer, but this is part of their life. It's part of their culture. It permeates their culture and and. They're afraid of sickness coming to them if they don't do certain things right. Next one, don't throw the bones. Um, so you've eaten the meat off the bones. Don't just throw the bones anywhere. You know, you've got to put them in, tuck them away and put them in a proper place. And uh, you're afraid that the spirits will know who, you, who the person is that ate the meat off those bones. And your saliva is connected now to the bones and they will know who the person is. And that sickness, they can inflict sickness upon you. Um, don't place your hair, your cut hair, just anywhere. Put it in a tree or on a branch or something. Don't just throw it out um, because then the spirits can gather it and they'll, and I don't understand what the difference is on the ground or, or in the tree, but to them, don't do that. You've got to put it in a specific place. Don't give uh, or don't step over food. Uh, if you do, uh, you can stunt, uh, you can, sickness can come upon you and also uh, you can make the food impure and then there could be sickness that could carry over to other people. Um, don't give your baby a name right away. Wait maybe a year. Wait till it's got some teeth and then from there... Um, you would give your baby a name. The reason being is they have seen so many deaths within the beginning parts of, uh, of, those, of the child's year um, that they say, you know what, we don't want to waste a name. So the name is important to them, and so that, that was another thing. Don't say your spouse's name, um, otherwise the spirits could hear that name, and they, the, uh, the spirits, uh, their ancestors, could come and inflict sickness upon them. Don't walk alone in the bush. There's a little dwarf, and he's got little spears, and, and that dwarf could come, and, uh, and he could inflict sickness if you're by yourself. But if you're with somebody else, then usually you, you've got your eyes in more places, and you'll be okay. But there's this little spirit that's got these little darts that he can inflict sickness upon you. 
We can chuckle and, and think, hey, you know, that, that sounds a little funny, but to them, it's serious. And I went uh, on doing culture study, went and we were cutting down a tree, and then the guy, you know, he, uh, he sees his brother come through the bush and comes, and he came a different direction altogether, and he just reamed out his brother and said, like, what are you thinking? You know you should not be going through the bush by yourself. And I'm just standing there listening and thinking, wow, I'm really glad I'm going on these, these times of learning culture because it's telling me so much of how they live and how they do things. Don't walk alone in the bush. Don't eat the animal you trapped. If you eat the animal you trapped, somehow uh, the other... So if there's a cassowary bird, um, I know that's foreign to you guys, many of you. Um, cassowary birds like a miniature ostrich that they would trap in the, tri in, in the higher parts of the bush. And um, when they trap it, they will not eat it. The trapper will not eat it because he's afraid that if he eats it, somehow the word gets out to all the other cassowaries in the, tr in the bush and they will know from then on that he's the one that, um, that has trapped it. All right, and then um, don't let the cuckoo bird stay in the village. So when the cuckoo bird comes, flies in, and so in our house we're, we're uh, sleeping and all of a sudden pots and pans and all kinds of things in the village are banging and making noise and we're wondering what's going on and we find that they tell us afterwards it's because the cuckoo bird came into the into the village and we've got to get rid of it so um, otherwise this we're afraid that the spirits of our ancestors they go through this bird and they will inflict sickness upon us and um, and so you learn culture as you live amongst them and um and the big thing is you're wanting to take all of that information and be able to apply it when you're going to be teaching God's Word and help them to understand, you know what, we do not need to be fearful of things. Now we need to be trusting in Jesus Christ to be able to take care of us. So we're here just for a short time, and we've got a number of uh, items on the table just over on the other side here, and... Um, and I would love for you guys to come pick up some of these little booklets. There's literature here. Uh, From Darkness to Light, there's a story about a, a tribe that came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, I'm talking, these are remote people, guys. And they are tucked away that they should never have heard God's Word, but they have. And so there's a book. We'd love for you guys to pick one up. Um, this book, Who is God? Great little discipleship book, okay? And then um, if you're interested in short-term missions... Uh, we've got a short-term mission magazine. Uh, if you are thinking, man, I'd like to find my place. Like, where do I fit in? I, I don't know what to do, or I'd love to be involved in missions, but how do I do this? Uh, find Your Place, that's another magazine. Um, and then I would like to just uh, mention, I would really encourage each one of you, if, if there's enough of these, to pick one of these up and pray for this couple. Pray for this couple. They're planning on going up to the Arctic, and uh, this is going to be happening within this summer, and they want to reach the people up in the Arctic and um, with two other couples, and this is a new endeavor that our mission is tackling, and there's a lot of finances and, and that, are, that are involved, but these people, they're raising support right now, and they would love for you to pray for them or support them. Come to the table, and, um, and then we'll go from there. We'll have a chat about that. All right, Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to go this morning. And 
I love this passage. It's talking about Moses and, uh, and coming to the burning bush, okay? So we'll go to the next slide. <clears throat> Can everybody see it okay? You guys up front, is this blocking your view at all? No? Okay, all right. So the big thing, how do you help the tribal people to understand God's character? So you learn about all these taboos and the different things, but now you're wanting them to understand his character. For you and I, we have come, we've grown in our walk with God, and some in a slower pace than others, and, and some will say, man, I love worshiping the Lord. I love bringing forward some of his character, and, and man, God, you are a holy God. You are a just God, and I love being part of your family. And so as you know God's character and you maybe have gone through some things in your life and you realize some things more than maybe another person, well, we're wanting our tribal people to know and understand God's character. And so our desire is that we're going to go from the start to the finish of the word of God. We have to, we have to lay proper foundations, okay? So as we would go through... Um, knowing that, okay, God has created all things. He was there in the beginning, and he has no beginning, and he has no end. Oh, that's weird. Everything that we see around us kind of has a beginning and an end. By the looks of it, a tree starts up, and it will die, and our house is built, and then uh, it might deteriorate, and we need to build another one, but we see construction, we see the start, and we see the finish. And in here, God doesn't have a, a beginning or an end. Do we believe that to be true? Do, you know, will they believe that to be true? And so as we're laying foundations, we're talking about all of the characteristics that we can come up with to be able to help them as we go through a series of lessons. All-powerful, self-existent, he needs nothing. He doesn't need you and I. And yet, sometimes we think... I have the right to claim things, and I, I have the right to demand things from him, and he's going to listen to me. He doesn't need us, but he desires to have a relationship with us. And, um, and so God is a supreme spirit. Well, when you understand that every aspect of their life is about the spirit world, that he's supreme, whoa, that's amazing for them. And they tap in, and they say, I want to know more about this God. If he is if he is stronger than our spirits, like, we need to understand what his requirements are. And they, that's often what they, they want to know is, how, what do we have to do? The do's and the don'ts really work well with, with their, their culture, right? And we're trying to help them to understand that it's not about do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship, okay? All right, so I don't need to go through all of these. All I'm wanting to do is show you that we're desiring to help them to understand God's character. All right, now just imagine Moses, okay? Moses is in the desert. He is, uh, he is just about ready to see the burning bush. We can go to the next slide. And um, here Moses is, uh, is there looking after sheep. So one thing in the characteristics of God, if you look at... Uh, this passage in chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 23, and that's the part that we're going to start off with, okay? So in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. 
Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. Now, this tells us a little bit about God's character. God heard. God hears things, okay? And then God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant. God does not forget. God remembers. So that's another part of his character. And so God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. God saw, so God sees things. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. And so we see that within that passage, you've got four different things that we're seeing about God's character. God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew. And then it's a period right after that. So here we see God sees, hears all things, he sees all things, he knows all things, and God is relational. Do you have a relationship with this God? Folks, if you do not have a relationship with this God, he so much desires for you to tap in and want to be in this relationship with him. And it's only through this man, Jesus Christ. But as we lay foundation for the tribal people, we don't tell them about Jesus Christ. We don't say his name. All we say in the beginning stages of our teaching is that there's a promised one coming. There's a promised one coming. And this promised one, we have the first promise. Does anybody know, can, can anybody tell me what, what passage of Scripture is the first promise in the Bible of this promised one, Jesus Christ, that's going to come? Anybody? Yep, Genesis 3. And can anybody give me the verse? You get a big prize afterwards. Somebody said 15. That wasn't the pastor by any chance, was it? No, it was over there. Okay, yeah, good. I don't know, Greg. You're a little little fishy over there trying to influence your church some way or another, right? Um, So Genesis 3.15. What's the passage? It talks about the serpent is being cursed and that he is going to, or you're going to, yeah, he is going to strike your heel, but, but he, sorry, you're going to strike his heel, but you're going to, oh my goodness. Yeah, oh, great, I feel better now, thanks. Um, you, can somebody read it for me? Man. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, so there you have it in Genesis 3.15, and I'm turning there right now, and I'm saying, okay, we're going to definitely have to read this out. All right. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, it's a different version, but this is the first promise. And so as our our people in the tribes, they start to understand there's a promised one coming, a promised one coming. So God hears all things, and he sees all. He remembers, and he sees, and he knows all things. And he's a relational God. All right, next slide. Um, what we've got here is we've got in Mount Sinai and Egypt, and, and Moses has gone into the Mount Sinai, and he's looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And can anybody tell me how old he is at this time that of Exodus chapter 3 where he's looking after the sheep and he sees this burning bush? Anybody? 
80 years old. Okay, so that puts things into perspective. Here Moses is, he's 80 years old. And Moses has run away from Egypt because he had killed somebody. And if you look in chapter 2, verse 12, he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses looked this way and that. Anybody look at? Okay, now I can go. And he kills this guy, all right? Now we're going to come into this time where he's 80 years old, so he spent 40 years in, the, in this place of, of Midian. Okay, we'll go to the next slide. And now God meets him. God meets him um, in the wilderness here. But we're going to see something in this passage of Scripture of Exodus chapter 3. Let's start from the beginning. I'm going to just read a few verses here, but just I want you to see something that takes place. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, verse 1 of chapter 3, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burning. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, do not, come any, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the, fa- the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Do you see what actually happened in this passage of what Moses did? It says there in verse 2, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, this part right here, I will turn aside. Isn't that interesting? Moses is saying to himself, I will turn aside. I will look more deeply upon this burning bush. I'm going to investigate. I'm going to figure this out. Why is this thing not being consumed? And he turned aside. But the other interesting part of this passage, I find, is that what God says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside. Interesting, isn't it? That Here you have Moses, and Moses made the decision to turn aside, but when God saw that he turned aside, God knew that this guy's ready. He wants to be used, but or he wants to know more about me, and I'm going to really help him to understand what my purpose is here. Maybe in your life, you've had these moments where you have heard something And you have said, you know what, that is really interesting and I want to grow deeper and I want to know more about that. And I want to draw closer to God and I want to be able to understand Him better. And maybe today, God is asking you to turn aside. 
Maybe today there's something where he's got in Scripture that he's bringing before you as a congregation, and maybe he's placing that in front of you right now. And, and as we go through this message, just that you might need to turn aside. You might need to break away from the sheep or the things that you've been so busy with, and you might need to come to this place and say, you know what, I need more of God. I need to understand something here. I want to draw close to something showing me. And by faith, you turn aside and you want to grow in Him. As God starts talking with Moses, we see here, you go to the next one. Let's, uh, so we're seeing here, I have indeed seen the misery. And, um, and then he's saying, I am who I am. I am who I am. And so we're going to see here in a number of these uh, lines, I am who I am. He's saying, this is who I am. Moses is wondering, who, who do I say you are to these Egyptians? I am who I am. Next, uh, next one. The imperfect tense, continuous action, always, I am your father, I have always been your father, and I will always be your father. Okay, next one. I am with you, always have been, and always will be. Next one. I am Yahweh, Jehovah, Lord, uh, the eternal, self-existent, ever-present, covenant-keeping God of holiness, love, and grace who pursues relationship. This is who I am. And we see this at verse, in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come, and Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and, at, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, this, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Do you realize that this could possibly be the first time that Moses now, for, for the first time, understands, wow, I've heard maybe some stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but now I'm understanding something about God that nobody else has heard before. God has not introduced himself as the God of I am to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now he's introducing himself to Moses this way. Can you just imagine Moses living with all these sheep and with his father-in-law and, and their family and not really being deep in, their, in his relationship with this God? He's just going through the process. But he has little pieces of information maybe from his past of when he was younger. But now God's revealing himself uh, to Moses and helping him to understand. And God is wanting to use him, and we understand too that, that here, Moses says, I'm not eloquent. God even shows him, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice in, four, in chapter 4, verse 1. And the Lord said to him, what is it, what, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. 
And he said, throw the staff on the ground. So he threw the staff on the ground and became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. Whoa, 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 what's, what's going on? What's happened to my staff? But the Lord said to Moses, put your hand, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand. And that they, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared, has appeared to you. And again the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside the cloak, and then he took it out. And behold, his hand was leprous like snow. So you see, two things have taken place here. And when we teach our tribal people, we... We have talked about this lesson, and we say, you know what? The, these, uh, when Moses threw down his staff, it became a snake. And then what happened to the sorcerers, the Egyptian sorcerers, when they threw down their staff, it also became a snake. Their, their staffs became a snake. And those guys believed in certain things, and Moses understood who God was. So here you see, you as tribal people, you've got your own traditional beliefs. You follow certain things. You go to the witch doctor. The witch doctor, you believe, has power and has authority to be able to do certain things. And you go to him. And here it's like Moses is going before these Egyptian uh, sorcerers. And their, their staff becomes a snake. But who's more powerful? It's God. God's power through Moses, that staff uh, swallow, or that snake swallows up their snakes, and what do they have afterwards? They've got nothing. They're, they don't have the, the staff that would show power to the people around them. And so we can use portions of Scripture to show how powerful our God is. Then in verse 6, and again the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he does it. But in verse uh, 10 and 11, he says, I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. So if God would approach you guys and say, I would like you to be involved in missions and go, what would be your response? You might not have the burning bush. You might have Terry Bannon in front of you. I don't know. I, I could look like a burning bush. or you know, Maybe it's spooky or weird. But here God is using me maybe today and speaking to you that maybe God would like to use you somewhere in this world in evangelism. It could be on a support role. It could be deep in the jungles and being doing the, the translation, the, the literacy, and helping the people to understand who God is. So here you are. And if God would be speaking to you, how would you respond? And listen again to how Moses responds. Verse 13. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Have you ever been there? <laughs> I have. I sat in a pew. The speaker was in front of church. 
And he says, are you willing to go anywhere at any time at any cost? Are you willing? And so I've had, a, this was a conference, the speaker's speaking to us, and I'm sitting there, and I'm shaking, and I'm feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and the, and the speaker says, I would like, if you're feeling that the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now, stand up and help the church to recognize that God has spoken to you in this way. I didn't want to stand up. I had my argument with God right there in that pew, quietly, me and him. God, who am I? I'm a dropout of high school. You can't use me. It's got to be the other guys on the pew, in the pew beside me. And they're probably shaking just like I'm shaking. I mean, I'm not feeling anybody else shaking, but I'm, I'm thinking they're all feeling the bench is shaking because of what I'm feeling inside. And I was resisting God. And I was resisting him to so much that it, it just became so much stronger and so much stronger. And I thought, I can't handle this. Okay, God, I surrender. I surrender. And I had to turn aside by faith. I had to turn aside and look at this and say, by faith, I'm trusting you, God, that you know better than, than for me. And I'm going to trust you in whatever you have for me. Then I got an opportunity to go with ethnos as a missionary. And again, I'm arguing with God, God, you can't use me in this way. To learn a language? Whoa, no, 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 no way. I mean, I can help a little bit here and there, and I, I'm, I was a stock boy in a grocery store. I could help, but I'm not a carpenter. I'm not, I don't have any trade. God, you can't use me. And God says, no, Terry, I would like for you to go. And when you go, you will see how things will unfold. All I want you to do is be obedient to me and go. And I feel like that's the same thing that God is wanting for Moses. But Moses argues and resists God. Are you maybe in a place of where you have been resisting him some way or another? I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know all the details. I'm here for the first time. This is a, a pleasure for me to be in the midst of, of with you guys and to be able to bring the word of God to you. And I, I feel like God desires to challenge you and to bring you to a place of saying, turn aside. I want to use you. In Papua New Guinea, there was a tribe that came to know Jesus Christ as their savior. And it was because missionaries had gone, they left their comfort, they left the things that they were familiar with, and they went into the tribe. And this, these missionaries, three couples, and they learned the language, 2017, they started, they went into the tribe, learned the language, learned the culture, and from there, uh, they started translating and doing the work that Ethnos trained them to do. And people, when they presented the gospel, when they presented the foundational teaching, people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the way that they displayed it was they had two bags, and I'm pulling something out of the bag here. Okay. So this is uh, what they make. This is made out of bark. This is uh, a belum. You can come take a look at it later. It's got uh, some weight to it. And this is a, also another one. Okay. So this one, this one, the, the handle just uh, went loose on me. 
So this one, okay, and this one. This one's darker, and the way that they present it is, uh, after Adam, we're all sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We're in the family of Satan. What a great introduction to the teaching, eh? <laughs> great. So the people are worried. They're wondering, I am a sinner. I'm, I'm actually in Satan's family. How can I get out of this family? And they're hoping the missionaries are going to be able to help them and help them to understand how they can get into the family of God. And so as they teach them, they lay the foundations and the, and the character, uh, characteristics of God start to unfold in front of them. And they realize how, how much of a sinner they are before God and how much they're in need of a Savior. But how do I get from this bag over here to this handbag over here? And that is only through Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, there is no other name that you can be saved. There is no other name, but it's through Jesus Christ. Do we believe that to be true? I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you've never come into the family of God. Maybe you've never believed in what Jesus Christ has done for you. And maybe today, God is saying, I want you to come out of Satan's family, and I want you to come into God's family. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So they did this presentation, and they went through a number of months, months of teaching and these people came to know Jesus Christ. They placed their faith. They repented and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And they moved. And they knew it. They knew there was a change that took place in their own life. They didn't even know what it all meant. And yet, there's a change. And it wasn't just, oh, I want my, my name tag that was in that, that bag moving over to this bag. No, it wasn't just that. It was something happened. They believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that's the only way that they can come to God and have a relationship with Him. Maybe God would like to use you and I in the way of being a part of missions. Maybe it could be through prayer as believers. So there, there can be some of us, as I, I, I presented, like there may be some people that don't, you haven't believed yet, and now this is the first time. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save you. Okay, so now, that was for the unbelievers, That if there is any that was amongst us. But for us as believers, God wants to use us. And ethnos wants us to be partners with him. Partners in prayer, in giving, and in going. So I've already said, are you willing to turn aside to go? What about being involved in prayer? We've got a sign-up sheet back there that, that we would love to have you as partners. And on your cell phone, you could have uh, prayer updates come once a week. And what you do is you just pray. I was going to go ice fishing with a friend out in Manitoba. And we were in the truck and we're driving an hour. 
And one of these things came up on my phone, and I just started reading to my friend who's driving, and I just read through the prayer item. I started praying, um, praying with him. We finished praying, and I said, it takes only five minutes. And now we've prayed for somebody that's on the other side of the world. We don't know who they are, but we've just prayed for them. Great opportunity, guys, to be involved in praying. Also, be involved in There's so many projects and so many things. Uh, we had people that donated toward a helicopter. We've got three, three helicopters that have been donated. Uh, money has been donated for helicopters. If you're looking at $1.2 million per helicopter, it's a huge undertaking. We had three Kodiaks, that Kodiak airplanes, fixed wing, that were donated. People gave and gave, and then some businessmen said, you know what, I want to be a part of that. And some paid it outright. I can't do that. But I can give whatever the Lord's asking me to give. We all can be a part of something, right? So for me, here I'm here presenting this to you. I want to also mention, in closing here, we're in need of teachers, we're in need of pilots, and administrators, and whatever support role, ever, whatever you could possibly think, doctors, nurses, or there's so many roles, we're in need of people to fit in, some way or another. Maybe the Lord would like to use you to be able to help overseas, short term, long term. And here we are. We'd love to have a conversation with you. So as closing now, what I'd like to do is for us to pray. We're going to bow our heads, and we're going to just pray for, for people to fit, fill these gaps. We need teachers, and we need them desperately at some of our boarding schools, okay? So on this side, could somebody uh, raise your hand and stand up and pray for teachers? Just say, just that you're praying and asking God to raise up teachers um, within Canada, within the U.S., but that teachers would be able to meet the need of those roles. Could anybody, would anybody like to do that? Can't waste a whole lot of time. You've got to be quick on the draw here. All right, ready? One, two, three. I need a hand. Okay, got a hand? Can you stand up and let's just pray for that? Just go ahead and do that right now. Thank you. received in their hearts that they would go over and look at the burning bush and investigate it and, um, and that this would be a fruitful um, call and we pray this in Jesus name Amen. Amen Okay, now on this side can somebody pray for the need of pilots just pray that the Lord will be doing his work in people's lives I'm not specifically saying that within you guys as a congregation, maybe he's leading and guiding in here too, but just generally pray for that pilots, that the Lord would raise up pilots. Could I have somebody on this side? Man, you guys are quick. All right, one, two, yes, got one. All right, go ahead. Dear Lord Jesus, and Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, Lord, and we 
Wonderful, thank you. And let's just uh, keep our heads bowed now. Father, um, we're not bound by time. You're not bound by time. We are. <laughs> um, and we want to be sensitive to what you have for us. I feel like this morning you've been speaking to all of us in one way or the other. And you are challenging us and you're encouraging us, but you're, you're bringing something to the table. And I feel like you're, you're desiring for us to turn aside, every one of us, to turn aside, to draw near to you and to understand you better. And as we do, you bring something forward to us and we come before you by faith today again, and just trust that you have something here for us. And I would like to ask that we would be sensitive and be obedient to what you're asking. May you continue to work and challenge us and to cause us to follow that path that you would like us to go into, as difficult as it is. Lord, I ask that you raise up more labors. You ask in your word to, for us to pray and to ask for more labors. And I do it here again. And I ask that even within this congregation, it would be great to see somebody stand up and say, I'm willing, I'm willing to go. Maybe they're feeling a battle within them. I have no idea what your Holy Spirit's doing. And maybe they're resisting you to some degree and saying, I'm not eloquent in this way or that way, and I, I'm not good at this, not good at that. But you know their heart, and you know what you would like for them to do. And you're drawing them to this place, and you would like to make it more clear. And as they are having a difficult time turning aside, I ask that you make that possible with them. Help them to turn aside, to be sensitive to your leading and guiding, and to see the great joy that can come out of being obedient to you. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for this time. I've got a video that I'm going to show you. Four minutes. So, four minutes, and then we will close, okay? I'll move this back. All around us in the valley live the chemical spirits that we fear. My father taught us that the evil spirits are alive and living all around us. So we build our houses high in the mountains. We don't want the spirits to look into the house and see us and bring sickness. So we line our house with bark on the inside. If we hunt in the valley, we return quickly and always take a dog with us to protect us from the spirits. Be careful, my father would say, so the spirits don't eat you. We didn't understand the reason for death, and so we lived in fear. My father, Alimpu, killed many people that he thought had evil spirits living in them. He believed that these people were the cause of the sickness and death, and so he killed them. 
I followed the same dark trail. But God allowed a great sickness to come to our village, and we were all very afraid. We thought that we were all going to die. Three graves were already outside my house when God sent Jonathan and Yanis to put medicine in our mouths. To our surprise, we were soon able to sit up and look around. We hadn't died, but instead returned to life. This made me want to hear what the foreigner had to say. We invited them to come teach God's words, and we celebrated with a pig feast. God's spirit came and helped my heart to think. I realized that I had been living in darkness. My eyes were blinded, my mouth unable to speak truth, and my heart was blocked from understanding. I was trapped like on a pig roll tied by Satan to my ancestor's trail. Jonathan cleared a new trail for me to follow, but it was truly Jesus who came to rescue me. When I understood the message of Jesus and how he died, it was like Jesus came and cut the rope that was tying me. I was free, free to follow his trail. I now understand that there is no other trail but the trail of Jesus. So you've heard Fado's story. Won't you please pray, talk to the Lord, and ask Him if you can take a part in this effort to take the message of the Bible to a place it's never been. You guys, um, you saw at the end, New Tribes Mission, that was the former name of Ethnos. Um, and uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you. Would love to chat. If, you're, uh, if you would love to know more, how to move ahead. Um, yeah, so thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, guys, for coming. Our our pleasure to hear from you and, and see what God's doing. So let's just close our service in a time of prayer. Real quick, uh, there are snacks at the back here, and again, the table's just over here. If you'd like to go and visit with Terry and Rosie, there's no rush to get out, so please take that opportunity. Let's pray. God, thank you again for all that we've heard, all that we've seen. You are faithful, and you choose to use us despite the fact that we are very limited people. And you equip us in unique ways for whatever you are calling of us. And so my prayer for each one in this room today is simply that we would be faithful to whatever you have called us to. That might mean something like going all the way across the world. That might mean something as simple as sharing our life and who Jesus is with our neighbor, with our family, with our coworker. And so, God, may we be faithful to whatever you have called us. Help us to not make excuses but help us to trust that you will do what you have called. As we go from this place, as we spend time visiting now and and just sharing a little bit with each other, just pray that you would encourage our hearts 
And that we wouldn't just forget these messages, these, these truths that we have learned, but as we leave this place, that they would be in our hearts. And that we would consider these things in the coming days and weeks ahead. Go with us now. We love you. Amen. Thank you all. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again next time.